the most exhausting fun you can have in one place. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. This week, we'll be recapping our trips to PAX Prime in Seattle, Washington, and Dragon Con 2013 in Atlanta, Georgia. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. So Labor Day weekend, 2013, was a big weekend for cons, wasn't it, Rhonda? Big. You know, it's getting bigger every year. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting bigger every year. Just when I didn't, I couldn't think it could be get bigger. Uh, they took packs and made it four days. Yeah, and the con weekend is so big that you and I had to split up to get we it did. all covered. Yeah, exactly. We had to be on, on opposite sides of the continental United States so we could get as much con coverage as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but we both had a fantastic time, right? Yeah, it was, it was, I, I tell everybody it's the most exhausting fun you could possibly have. <laughs> That's an excellent way to describe a con just on your feet moving so much stuff to see so much you want to do running back and forth and I don't know about for you but for me the panels like there's always so much adrenaline associated with the panels for me and with presenting that it just adds like a whole nother layer of exhaustion to an already exhausting week oh yeah I mean because I I've got a lot more focused attention mm -hmm. uh, in a concentrated amount of time it's very it's it's not passive no no not at all <laughs> not so. at all well, I think as we go through our discussion, why don't I start with a discussion of what happened at PAX Prime in Seattle, and then we can jump into you talking about what happened at Dra Dragon Con in Atlanta. In Atlanta. So we'll go from west to east. Now, was this your first PAX Prime? No, no, this okay. was my fourth PAX Prime. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I knew you had been maybe once before, but I didn't realize four. Yeah, I had been, I've been oh, four. Wow. Four PAX Primes, one PAX East. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a veteran of PAX Prime now. I feel, I feel. Yeah. Like no. Oh, a, yeah. A certain level of uh, of mastery now of the Seattle Convention Center <laughs> and the surrounding areas. I don't know if you you know this about PAX, but PAX has gotten so big that they take up the theater spaces and like every major hotel within like a six block radius of the convention. <laughs> No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's oh it's God. not just they have the entire convention center is is all packs and then spaces around, you know, they have like a main theater that they use in another location, the Hyatt and uh, other various locations where they have panels and big big venues to cover. <laughs> Wow. The presentation. So it really is the geeks taking over all of downtown Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. That's that happens in Atlanta as well. They've yeah. got the West and the Sheridan, Hyatt, Hilton and Marriott. And then this year they took over the American Mart. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. So it's kind of nice. It, 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 it makes the whole the whole downtown really feel, you know, like it's it's embracing. Ours. Yes. It's embracing our culture, our people. <laughs> So for me, Friday of PAX started out with the panel 
uh, my panel was uh, the first panel in the in the room that I was presenting in, which was the Unicorn Theater, um, which still gives me great delight to know that I got to present in the Unicorn Theater. Oh, yeah. It couldn't be better. <laughs> no, it really couldn't be better, especially since the room is decorated with unicorns. The um, enforcer who was running the room, um, whose name I now forget, of course, uh, he has been gifted many, many unicorns over the years because I guess he's always run the Unicorn Theater for PAX or has for several years. So there were there were unicorns on the tables. He had a big unicorn medallion necklace on. <laughs> wow. He had a unicorn pillow that had a, that looked like a unicorn game from original NES. It was, and then he had the unicorn head that I saw also made an appearance on your trip to yes. Atlanta. So yes, he had we that had a as well. You had a unicorn with us. You had a unicorn, yes. Yeah, so it there was were serendipitous. It was very much so. So uh, one thing about that though was that the unicorn theater is usually in the main center of the conference complex Mm -hmm. but this year it was in the grand hyatt so it was two blocks away and um that was a little bit of an adjustment (laughs) uh because they had signs up that actually said the unicorn theater has moved uh so it was it was in a completely different place and when i first got there i got there early enough that there wasn't even a sign up to show that it was a unicorn theater. oh crap (laughs) so i had to actually walk in and be like oh um is my panel in here? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're getting the sign. So, um, but it was just kind of funny. We had fantastic uh, participants. We had a great audience that was very engaged and very engaging. Our panel went great. The speakers and the gamers who came out to represent us were fantastic. I just, oh, I couldn't good. have asked for more in terms of speakers on the panel, including Aaron, who was representing mastery players, who, much to my delight, the first thing he said was he liked to play female avatars in MMOs because they got more attention. Hmm. And I was like, wow, really? Because most guys say they play it because it's more attractive or that's what they want to look at or this or that. And he's like, nope, I get more attention. I got more gifts. I got more help. He was like, which were all the things that I suspected people meant, you know, men would play female characters for. Yeah. Uh, And he just said it right out there. And I'm like, where have you been all my research? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually did a show of hands and asked, I said, how many of you play, how many of you guys play female characters? And then I said, okay, how many of you play female characters so that you can look at her butt? (laughs) And and two guys actually were honest and said, yes. I was like, thank you. Thank you. That's an honest answer. Yes. Yeah. I I definitely appreciate the honest answers. Um, And my role player, Trisha, was fantastic and um, talking about the stories that she creates and the way she really looks at her characters as outside and removed from herself Mm. without saying it. I told them, you know, previously, I'm like, I want the audience to be trying to figure out your gamer type. So you don't have to come out and be very explicit about it. Just let it come out naturally in your language. And she was really good about just the way she was talking about it. And then Eric, who's a long-term friend of mine, who was on the panel and who had found the other two gamers for me, was great at representing. Really, he was representing balanced gamers because he's, I think, 45% self. And then the other 55 was split between self and between Mm, mastery and role play. So he was pretty balanced in terms of his... His outcomes, but he was there sort of as the self gamer. So that was pretty, that was pretty fun. There was one moment, one of my favorite moments, and I'm really, I'm really sorry that the audio got corrupted from this because there were so many great moments that I really wanted to go back and relive. But I had been, he had been talking about City of Heroes and he and Trisha both were talking about the depth of character creation that you could go into in that game. And it was 
perhaps the most complex character creation I've ever seen. Mm. Size, mm. and you could you could alter everything to you know very minute details. You could sliders on every aspect of wow. your character. And I was talking about creating my character in that game and feeling so overwhelmed by having so many choices that I just kept hitting random until I found something that I liked. And then it turned out that I realized only later after I'd started playing the character that the character didn't actually have any eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were completely like, like they were just no eyes. It was just skin there. And one of the audience members said, stood up and yelled out. She's like, when you said that, both Trisha and Eric shook their heads and hung them in shame. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron, of course, being the mastery player, said after the panel, he's like, I don't understand why people spend so much time in the character creator. You just, you know, pick something and go. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you're a mastery player. That's right. So that was fantastic. We also had a really exciting sort of spontaneous event happened where right before we were about to start and let people in the audience, one of the enforcers came up to me and said that there was someone making a documentary and they wanted to come in and film and would I be comfortable with that? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Tell them if they want interviews afterward just to grab me and I'd you know, be glad to give them an interview. So um, it turned out to be Aaron Umatani from, Polar from the Polaris YouTube channel, which is uh, part of Maker Studios. And he was making a documentary about PAX and asking kind of some questions about game culture and particularly women in game culture and some of the sort of harassment issues, I guess, that have kind of been coming up. So yeah. he interviewed all of the panelists, including me, and uh, we all gave, you know, two or three minute interviews uh, that he'll be editing, hopefully, into a documentary that'll be up on the Polaris YouTube channel. So uh, keep an eye out, because as soon as that's up, I will be I will be sharing sharing that with everyone as soon as I see it. Oh, yeah. So that was... That was really great and totally unexpected. And so at the end of your panel, how did the how, how did you feel like the audience reacted? Do you think they got it? I think they got it. Absolutely. You know, ask them about uh, I told them, you know, explain the, the gamer quiz, the printout one, what each of the columns were. And everybody was nodding because they had already figured out which ones were which, Yeah. <laughs> which I, th I think is pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Um, and the questions that we got from the audience were just fantastic. I had oh. one. Yeah. person asked me if I thought the context of asking people about their characters made a difference, like where they were talking about it. And oh, I, I said, yeah, that was really, I know, it's really a fantastic question. And I said that, you know, when I did the interviews for the dissertation, I was talking one-on-one. -on -one. I was doing interviews that weren't in a group context. Although I could very well see how if you were in a a group, you might be more likely to talk about your, your role players would be more likely to talk about their characters in third person, et cetera, et cetera. So that was, that was a really interesting context. And I had another question that asked if I had seen any growth or change in the gamer types since I had created them. And can Very you imagine nice. what answer I gave to that? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they, they've already changed <laughs> yeah. since they were when I started in the dissertation. And I cited the fact that I had called mastery neutral in the dissertation. So the names had already changed from what I had originally had. But that I also had not considered gamers like Eric, who were really a balance between all three aspects. Or the fact that people might play 
different games with different intentions. Yeah. You know, and all those things. So I was, you know, talking about how those had changed. After the panel, I had, they actually, it was really nice. They had this organized. They didn't have this set up this way at um, PAX East, but they had a room for us to go into to take questions for people. Oh, that is so smart. It was so smart. And it was a nice little, you know, little conference room right across the hall from where the theater was. And they just said, you know, when you're done, head over there so we can clear out the theater and we can get the space here ready for, you know, the next people to come in. Uh, But we wanted to give you guys a space for that. So I said at the end of the panel, I'm like, you know, we're all, all the panelists and myself are going to converge in the room across the hall. So if you'd like to meet us there, you know, meet us there and we'll, you know, answer any questions you have. Wow. It was really, it was really slick. (laughs) I have to to give props to them for that because it gave you a space where you could talk and, you know, room to do all that. And that was great. Uh, So I had someone waiting there to ask me a question, which might take us down a whole nother avenue of research with the gamer types. Uh-oh. And he, I know, <laughs> he asked me if I had ever considered how the gamer types might impact work situations. Oh, uh, <laughs> And so that was a great question. And I thought... Oh, yeah. My mind is just racing. Yeah. And I said the same thing to him. I'm like, no, you know, I haven't really thought about it. But off the top of my head, and I rattled off like three different scenarios of the gamer types interacting in a work situation... I said, say you're a mastery type and you're working with a self uh, type and you're going in and you're telling that self type like a better way to do their job. They're going to take that personally. Yeah. Mastery type's not going to see that personally because they're thinking about efficiency and doing something well. But, uh, you know, a self type who is identifying with their job as part of who they are personally is going to be very offended by that. And his eyes just lit up and he's like, oh, my God, I've had that happen at work. I can't tell you how many times. Wow. So so we have some we have some work to do, Rhonda. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because when I was putting together I was going back over our presentation because we had a base presentation that we Mm -hmm. put together for Boston. And I was, since I was presenting it on my own, which basically I was presenting your research and the stuff that I've learned since we've been doing the podcast, I wanted to make sure I had a clear understanding of what I'm doing here. Yep. And I kept thinking as I was writing out the descriptions and I was pulling pulling plugs out of your dissertation, I'm like, you know, this is this is complicated. And I kept telling them it's like, you know, 3D chess and Star Trek. <laughs> it's not the single layer mm-hmm. personality test like you normally take for a job or at school or something, because there's the two lives. There's right. the IRL and then there's the cyber life. Right. And it's very interesting. Yep. the same person in both of those environments. Exactly. And the way those characteristics that we see in the gamer types map between those two yeah. places and don't sometimes. I mean, sometimes you could be a mastery player in the game and you're not in your job. But, you know, but a lot of times they do line up and do the same yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, really, really interesting. So really provocative stuff. And I was really very, very pleased at the reception we got and the questions that we got. And I was tossing um, bracelets to everybody who came and asked a question. (laughs) And at first I was really bad at it. (laughs) And they kept going like two feet in front of the podium. So they finally got a little better (laughs) handle on how to toss them. But uh, it showed this sort of ridiculous side of um, I'm definitely not a sports person. Yeah, I just they asked me to toss a T-shirt in the uh, Ladies of Elite podcast and it it just didn't go anywhere like, why are you asking me to do this i don't get it like, 
Find another way. Find another way. Well, I think before we leave the subject, I I just want to toss in um, a couple of the questions that my people asked because they they did. They've got the best questions. I know. It's just, and I told them, I actually said that. I I said, you know, you guys are my inspiration because the questions that you ask me here are going to shape the next, you know, iteration of of Game On Girl and of the gamer types and what we end up talking about. So I said, you know, I, I wouldn't be anywhere if it weren't for you guys talking to me. Yeah. A couple that I kind of, I, I think that we've had in the past or certain shades of were, do we see the gamer types mapped to any particular type of character that is selected, like mm-hmm. a rogue or a healer, right. and also mapping to particular games in, in general, right. you know. Um, but the the questions that really seem to be concerning my group, because at, at Dragon Con, all of the panels are divided up into tracks. Mm-hmm. And this is the gaming track, which traditionally really is tabletop gaming. Right. The um, video gaming is really for Dragon Con brand new. And they've got a video gaming track, but that's not the one I happen to be in. So most of these people are tabletop players. Mm-hmm. And they were wanting to know about, they had lots of questions about how, the interactions between right. members of a guild. And most of them are like, you know, I am a role playing DM and all of my members are mastery. What do mm-hmm. I do? Right. And they were just, they were really great questions. And how do I communicate? How do I get us to get along? Because, you know, there's two of us that get really frustrated. And I told them, you know, go back and take the quiz together. Right, exactly. Have everybody take the quiz and then have a discussion about it. Yeah, that's a great that's a great baseline just to start from. I actually had a similar question. I had somebody ask me what gamer types GMs tended to be as well. And I said it wasn't anything that I had done any official research on. Eric gave a great answer and Eric's played a lot of tabletop games and he said you know the the GMs who tend to be more um, interested in keeping the rules tend to be mastery players, and those who are more concerned with the story are role players. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that pretty much sounds right from what I yeah. understand. So exactly, but that's all really interesting discussion, and I think that that again stuff that we could really take and run with and continue discussions on the show. Awesome. Yeah. So what happened after your panel? Uh, I absolutely what next. I next I went to lunch (laughs) (laughs) because I was starving and um you know I don't I don't get terribly nervous I was a little nervous I was actually to tell you the complete truth Rhonda I was a little nervous that you weren't there (laughs) oh you're telling me I know I'm standing up there and I'm like I'm talking about somebody else's stuff So I had been a little amped up and my, my 10 minute, um, my, my talk at the beginning where I just went over the gamer types, I kept, I kept help catching myself not having enough air in my lungs because I wasn't breathing <laughs> deep enough Oh no! because of nerves. And so all that just took its toll on me. And I, you know, we just grabbed the whole panel and we all went out to lunch and had a really, a really great lunch. We walked a couple blocks away from the madness of PAX to get a little distance from the lines because all the restaurants right around PAX were packed at that time. So, uh, so we did that and we went and had lunch and that was really nice. And then we went back and I just walked the, the show floor and, um, and I didn't do a whole lot of, of anything that day. I just kind of took in where everything was and got my bearings and got my ideas together for what was going to be the busy running around and videotaping 
video recording, I should say, taping is so utterly passe, and recording for Saturday and Sunday. So I got my ideas about where I wanted to go and the people I wanted to talk to. So that was pretty much what Friday was for me. Yeah. Well, you had three whole days still to I did. get around. <laughs> I did at that point. I, I did have, I had plenty of, plenty of time left to get around and to see the sites and to talk to people. So uh, so yeah, so it was really just my kind of walk around and taking information and to show because um, Aaron and Trisha were both first time PAX attendees. Oh, uh, wow. Two of the panelists. So I really wanted to give them kind of an introduction to where everything was and what was going on with everything so they could get a sense of the layout and what PAX had to offer, which I am not really sure I did a great job on because I missed the whole like downstairs floors that have all the games and all the computers and everything where you can go and actually play. So... <laughs> You missed playing? I didn't. I just missed showing them where that was going on. Oh, okay. But uh, Aaron was a big Nintendo DS person. He was carrying his DS with him as, you know, we were going through. So he was very much beelined for the handheld um, lounge where they have big beanbag chairs you can hang out in. So he was headed there. So then Saturday morning started up and after having procured my coffee and my um, our editor of the podcast and our now video editor of our video content, Ryan, having found him and connected with him, we grabbed the camera and we just headed out to start interviewing people. And, uh, and it was great. We talked with a bunch of fantastic people. I got to meet in person Simon Berman from Privateer Press. Oh, yeah. Cool. He was on our show a few episodes ago talking about War Machine Tactics. So I got to um, to interview and talk with him about some stuff, some video content that will be coming up later. And he walked us through everything that they had at Privateer for the show. So that was great. And from there, I went across from where the Privateer booth was is the um, Mayfair games. Oh, um, yes. We love Mayfair. <laughs> and I got to play Star Trek Catan. No, and... you are kidding. <laughs> no, not just. Not just did I get to play Star, Star Trek Catan. I got to play the expansion that's not yet out for Star Trek Catan. We with... played Star Trek Catan while we were there at yeah. Dragon Con. But, but you didn't play with the guy who developed it. Well, no. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to play with the guy who made the game. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty Okay, now, fantastic. wait a minute, wait a minute. The guy who created Settlers of Catan? And, uh, well, the guy who created the, the, the Star Trek the expansion. Expansion. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So his name is Ron, and I don't remember his last name because I'm really bad with names. Um, but we have a video clip with him and, you know, interviewing him about the game as well. But the thing about the expansion. Mm-mm. Now, I'm, I, I like Star Trek. You might, you, might, you might call me Trekkie, all right? I know, I know the original series reasonably well. The expansion board adds a level of geekiness to Star Trek Catan that is just out of control. In what way? It's so cool. Okay, so you know how Catan is the, you know, the hex-shaped board that you change? Uh-huh, uh-huh. The the expansion board, now there's the regular Star Trek Catan has that, that right. board. But the expansion is a set board. It's got two pieces to it. And it is a map of the planets in the Star Trek universe. Oh, my God. That they actually took and mapped from examples of the universe from <laughs> stars in the Star Trek movies. <gasps> Oh, okay. the in the movies? Yes. 
Oh my God. Yes, they went and they took the images from the background shots out the windows of the movies. Oh, wow. And made this map based on, and then they named all of the planets from the locations that things happened in the original series. Oh, nice. So when you're playing, you're going to the planets where everything happened oh, in Star Trek. Yeah, that, that's, that's cool. That's just that's the beginning. Smart. That's huh? just the beginning. It gets even geekier than that. It's pretty geeky. It's pretty geeky, but it goes even a level further than that. So the expansion, the handbook for the expansion has descriptions of each of the planets and each of the episodes that took place on that planet. Oh, that's nice. All of the resources that you gather on those planets are true to the story that happened during the show. So, okay, like, this is a t this is a g when, when is it coming out? <laughs> he wasn't sure. I think it was. I think it was Christmas. I think it was Christmas time that the expansion was going to be coming out for oh, it. That'll do well. And the thing was that was awesome about it was that it had two separate boards, so you could play four people on one board, but you could put the two boards together and play eight people together. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So then you can have the whole Star Trek universe and eight people playing it at the same time. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's really that's a smart it, move. It yeah. was amazing. I was I was I was like, wow, my and I played I, I can't I coined a phrase while I was playing because I couldn't roll anything for myself. I was rolling great for for Ryan. Ryan was playing when Ron I was rolling great for them. I couldn't roll anything for myself. So I said I was rolling like a Wheaton. <laughs> and it continued for the whole day like all the board games i played i was rolling like a wheaton like i couldn't get anything for myself but i was totally helping everybody else i think i ended with three i had three victory points when we finished the game and they had gone out you, like, no way yeah so that's like, really hard to do to get only three victory points i was just hosed <laughs> I was well, I'm typically the robber queen. I can't roll anything but a stupid seven. It just pisses me off. Well, I don't know why. the other thing that I want to just add in here, um, I, since you played Star Trek Catan, you know that one of the the new elements to it is that you have the characters, that you, the character cards you can yeah, play. Yeah, I love that, that. That give you, as Ron said, they give you cheats, essentially. So you can kind of grab and, you know, change the game dynamic. Well, they have a set of expansion cards that you can get those same characters for regular Catan now. What? Yes. No. Mm-mm. Yep, yep. It was awesome. I bought I bought them. <laughs> <laughs> and have already played twice and I'm like, "Oh, yes, I love this because it adds a level of strategy to Catan that hasn't existed there before." So, well, that's just super cool. Yeah, so that was super cool. So anyway, uh yes, the Star Trek Catan and the expansion are just a Trekkie's dream. They're just I'm like, God, you guys know your audience because yeah, people yeah. who love Trek are going to be all over this, like the history and the game and the map. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's brilliant. Very nice. Yeah. So from there, we walked around and we interviewed a bunch of different cosplayers and a bunch of different gamers just about gaming and talked a little bit to a lot of different people. Like I said, there's more, much, much more video content to come. Um, I got a chance to play Mario World 3D on the Nintendo Wii, and that was pretty fun. I did abysmally at, at that, too, but I was playing with somebody who was really good, and so they were going really fast, and I couldn't really get a sense of what I was doing. <laughs> okay, so what was it you played? Uh, Mario World 3D. Oh, okay. Okay. It's a it's a Wii U game. What do you mean by video content to come? Uh, we have more videos that we're going to be putting up on the website. Um, because we now have a YouTube channel. Now have a YouTube channel. <laughs> yes, this is totally brand new because we have the awesome video 
um, cameraman, editor, Ryan, yes. who went with you to PAX and videotaped some stuff. So now Game on Girl has a video channel. Yeah, so now we have a, a YouTube channel where we'll have some, some much content from PAX, but we're also going to start putting gameplay content up there as well. Yeah. So that's that's all planned for the future. So uh, Game on Girl videos is the channel, the URL. But if you just search for Game on Girl as a channel, you will find us on there. So... And we have our first video up, which was also somebody that I interviewed on Saturday. I met Steve and Jessica from Gita Games, uh, who, who made a game called Lily Looking Through. Oh. And it is just, I, I was walking through, we were down in um, a smaller section of the show floor, and I saw this group of people with this t-shirt on, and this adorable girl, these big eyes and these big um, goggles on top of her head, and this cute little look on her face and it said Lily and I'm like who is Lily <laughs> there you go the book is in <laughs> that's all it took and uh and I walked over and I that was all I asked I'm like I have to know who Lily is uh cause it's not very often you see a an adorable um girl yeah lead character in a game and that's actually the first video content that we have up that's up now it's up on the site and it has been since last week so go and check it out check out our youtube channel for that and the video is also embedded on gameongirl.com so go go listen to steve and jessica talk about their game because i have to say it was meeting them was one of the major highlights for me of pax this year yeah i i I had the pleasure of seeing the video when you guys are, were putting it together. And, and you just love talking to developers who have a personal perspective and a personal interest. Mm -hmm. And you can see that kind of, uh, of love and passion come out in the game. Yes. And it just kind of makes you, makes you excited about, about looking at it and playing it. Yes, exactly. It translates into into the mm -hmm. story, into the artwork, into everything. It's just sort of infused into that experience of that game. And you can very much see that in Lily looking through. So it's um, there's a demo on Steam right now. So go check that out. And the game will be full game will be available in November. So yeah, it's pretty great. So from there, I went and I played um, Sorrow on the Sea, which is a, var a variation of Sorrow. I don't know if you've ever played Sorrow. No, I haven't. Sorrow is a, is a puzzle game. You'd love it. <laughs> okay, writing it down. You would absolutely love it. It's, it's one of the uh, ones that was on season one of Tabletop. Oh, okay. Sorrow on the sea adds an element. So, Sorrow, you're a dragon and you're flying through the air and you need to avoid other dragons or make them fly off the map, essentially. Because uh, the last dragon flying is the winner. No, oh, see, I love it already. Yep. <laughs> and it plays up to eight people. So, that's one of the other things that's really nice about it. You can play eight people with it. Well, Sorrow on the Sea adds another level of dimension to uh, <laughs> to this, where where there are actually dragons in the game who are trying to eat you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and if you roll a six, seven, or eight, the dragons move and they try to try to consume you. And much like I was rolling in Catan, I kept rolling eights <laughs> for everybody else and not having eights of my own. I rolled those dragons every turn. <laughs> I played that game until like the last two turns, I think I rolled and, and had to move the dragon. Again, I said to the to the you know demo person I was playing with, I'm like, I'm rolling like a Wheaton. And yep. she was just cracking up at that. I'm like, yeah, I just... It's not with me today. <laughs> the dice mojo is off. <laughs> so that was that was fun. And then from there, I went upstairs to the um, Geek Chic booth because they actually have a booth for Geek Chic. And I bought a mustache monocle from them. Oh, nice. 
Yes. Well, you're going to have to get a picture and sport that on the I wall. am. You know, I'm having difficulty managing wearing it all at the same time, like the monocle in the eye and the mustache. I have to, like, practice <laughs> the muscle memory in order to be able to do it. Because <laughs> it takes a little coordination to be able to do that. So once I get that, I will. I will definitely take a picture of it. Wow. And that was just Saturday. That was just Saturday. Yes. Yes. So Sunday, I I was on a mission Sunday. And it was? It was to get one of the most sought after items of PAX Prime this year, uh, which was an empty box. (laughs) Oh, man, you gotta be kidding. They're messing with you. (laughs) I waited in line for two hours to get in line to get an empty box. Yes. It's ridiculous as I say it, and I still did it. Yes, it was uh, the bigger, blacker box from Cards Against Humanity that is uh, designed to hold all the expansions. Oh. Yes. Well, that's cool. It's awesome. And I got it autographed. (gasps) Now, did they give away customized cards like they did at Boston? Uh, They did, yes. If you you had... had, they actually had in the bigger blacker box there was a pack of blank cards so oh, you could cool. pull one out and they could sign they would sign it for you as well um we didn't i didn't opt to do that but i did get my box signed oh cool so i have a a signed bigger blacker box now and um yeah and it was really fun and waiting in line there was pretty fun too um everybody was sort of beelining for it because they had a very limited number they only had 600 that they were passing out of packs well that's not much no not when you have seventy thousand people attending no and they only gave 100 out the day that I got it. And I was far enough back in line that it was, well, you might not get one. Yeah. So um, I was lucky to be able to, to, to be able to pick it up. But it was... It was definitely worth it. So Wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And so they will be available online. You'll be able to buy them um, in the next few weeks. I think they said they would be up online so that you could buy one. But there was something about being able to get it from the guys who were, you know, the designers. And it was funny because I, when I walked up to get them to sign it, they were like kind of chatting amongst themselves as they were, you know, they were just sort of routinely signing the boxes. And they started like singing in unison suddenly. <laughs> And so I turned to them and I'm like, I think I just saw the creative process that created Cards Against Humanity. And they looked at me at at the same time, turned at the same time, and two of them who were sitting on the end of the table, there were three of them there. And they turned to me and they're like, yep, that's pretty much how it works. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that was that was good, and I was I was glad to to have that. So now I have I have a box that will hold all of my Cards Against Humanity cards. Uh, from there, I started wandering around and playing some more games. I played Raymond Legends, which is uh, just out. It was out this week, actually, um, on Xbox 360. And one of the things about it was it's sort of an adventure game, and you have uh, four different characters you can play, and you can play on the Wii U up to five people, I think, on it, and. Um, delightful little characters and I found out after we finished the demo that they were hand drawn and oh wow that's a really different sort of thing that's one of the reasons why the characters I guess have their their own sort of unique look is that they're hand drawn so that was a really fun thing and after I played that demo and Ryan played uh Pikmin demo uh we have agreed that we're all we're going to be buying we use (laughs) no you're kidding I know of all things I, I I didn't 
I thought that the last of the consoles that I would gravitate toward were going to be the Wii U, but the the games last year at PAX, they were just coming out with a Wii U. It was there. You could play it, but they only had like two games available for it. But after seeing the extent of content they have for it now and some of the games, uh, I was like, I think this is going to be my next console. Wow. Yeah, I know. There, there must have been quite a selection of games. There was quite a selection of games. They were fun. They were engaging. Yeah, they were just enough. So well, I was like, yeah. that's good to hear. Yeah, it was. It was because, as I said, the first time it just didn't really. I was like, why would anybody get this? There's nothing to do on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, did they have the 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 same amount of of indie game boosts there that they did in Boston? Well, and that's exactly what was next. I finally, I had been waiting all weekend to get up to the indie mega booth, and yes, they do. They have a huge selection of in, indie gamers, and I think next year I'm just going to start there because <laughs> yeah. I always have the best experiences in the indie mega booth, and I. I you know, I generally don't end up giving it as much time as I really want to. Um, so I walked into um, just to walk around and look at the games and look at some of the like incredible artwork coming out of the indie games. And I got kind of grabbed by um, a developer from a game called Beat Buddy. And his name was Wolf. And he was from Germany. And all of the developers from um, Threeks Game Development were from Germany. And he grabbed me. And so we actually have video of me playing the game while he's telling me the story of how it came about cool so that's going to be really fun when you get that video footage up that was a great interview and it was really fun and beat buddy is like a it's a musical adventure game (laughs) so you get to build the song progresses as you play the game so as you're starting out it's sort of like one level of the game and you begin it and as you continue to progress through the game the song gets more complicated and then it gets to the point where you have to move in rhythm to the song to progress the character it was it was great i I actually already bought it I've already downloaded it. I haven't had a chance to play it since I got it because I haven't had any time to play because I had to catch up on all my work when I got home from the con. But Where did you download it to? I downloaded it on Steam. So, okay. Beat Buddy, it's available on Steam, so you have to go check that out. I met a couple of other great uh, developers, uh, Johan from Luminox Games, also German, uh, and we previewed Aru's Awakening, which was also hand-drawn and had hand-drawn artwork and backgrounds. It was a 2D side-scroller, but it was just absolutely beautiful. And one of the things about that is that the game gets progressively darker because it's starting, it starts at dawn and then moves to night. Oh, interesting. So four stages of the game, so the the game you know starts out light and then ends up very dark. So, oh, I like that. Yeah, I was looking at the artwork and I'm like, ooh, Rhonda would love this one. Yeah. <laughs> and I met Stefan Groning from Beta Dwarf and previewed Forced, uh, which um, I also downloaded. <laughs> and it's kind of, a, it's a multiplayer game. You can get up to 12 people, I think, playing a game at once um, on a team. And um, I can't really explain the mechanics and all that great detail. You're, you're using a ball of energy that's sort of helping you and you can manipulate it and turn it to fire and it can light your enemies on fire and it's just it was a really different dynamic so i'm looking forward to trying that out and seeing that i like fire time i like fire too (laughs) i've said that before i like setting things on fire Um, but then perhaps the highlight of one of the highlights of the entire con for me was I got a chance to meet up again, again with James Silva from Ska Studios. Oh, awesome. 
And not only did I get to do that, I got to game with him. Oh, no. Did you videotape that? Yes, yes. Oh, yay! <laughs> yes, that will be another one of the highlight pieces from the video footage that we have. I got to play Charlie Murder with him, which is now oh. out on Xbox. Okay. For $10 on Xbox Live Arcade. So you have to go check that out and download it. And it was the most fun. I, I, it was just so much fun. And the artwork is just delightful. And I, I couldn't, I can't say more about that game. I just absolutely loved it. And I've loved James Silva and the stuff Scott's been yeah. producing. He and his wife, Michelle, are really putting out great stuff. So, um, so definitely make sure to go check out Charlie Murder. Yeah, I've, I've been very anxious to have one of us play that new game of his and I'm glad you got a chance to because it was just a demo in Boston yeah I couldn't play it it came out I think about a week ago so we by the time oh okay okay so it's been out for about a week now and it is like <laughs> one of the best parts of it was you know you're killing zombies you're on a you know you're a band and so we were on the same band together and then you're killing zombies and I, I killed a zombie and then grabbed his arm and started beating other zombies with a zombie <laughs> arm <laughs> Oh my goodness. You can imagine what the graphics for that look like. Yeah. Oh, I think I'd rather see his version. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I suspect you probably would. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that was that was pretty close to the end of Sunday for me and I unfortunately did not make it to PAX on Monday. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I just, I, by, by the t- end of that and the end of uh, getting all the video footage and doing all the great stuff and seeing everybody, I just, I needed to come home and be in my own bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's surprising. I mean, you, because you're having so much fun and there's so much you want to do. I mean, the, in real life, I mean, you, it, it, it might take you months. Yeah to experience this amount of stuff. And so to, to pack it all in three days, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 pr- the only reason I could see even extending it until Monday is because you're eternally young. <laughs> or y- you can shift the day that you start on. Right. Instead of starting on Friday, you could start on Saturday or Sunday yeah. and still have a couple of days. Yeah. I And I had to get back because, you know, I work pretty much every day. There's, yeah. there's some demands I have on my online teaching jobs every day. And so I had put off and I had, you know, alerted my students that I was doing this presentation and going to be gone for this convention so that they knew that I was going to be gone. But by that point, I was already very behind Yeah, <laughs> on my work. So I had to get home and catch up on all that. But it was very productive. It was very productive. And I, I can't wait to release the rest of the, the game footage, the video footage, especially the playing and uh, getting a chance to talk with the developers while I was playing their games was really fun. So yeah, it, it's it really is one of the 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 best parts, especially walking around in the indie section mm-hmm. and talking to these developers. It's just yeah. it's a lot of fun hearing them talk about their games. Yeah, they're so excited that you're there and that mm-hmm. you're showing an interest in their game. And you know, and not to say that the you know the AAA booths are not fantastic because they're definitely shiny and there's tons to see and there's some great games over there as well. But man, the heart and soul of PAX is that indie mega booth. Yeah. Yeah, is the the key to to what makes PAX, I think, part of what makes PAX fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. Well, usually it's the guys who have actually bled and sweated. Yeah, that are there. (laughs) The ones who have actually made the game. Yeah, exactly. You know, because they're they're the ones who are, you know, much like we are as a as an independent podcast. It's, you know, 
doing yeah. the same kind of thing. This is labor of love for, for everybody involved in it. Everybody involved in it gives their time and energy and effort to make what happens here happen. Uh, it's pretty much the same with the indie, the indie guys, too. So would you go back to PAX, Regina? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> do, now, do they, are they like Dragon Con? Do they have a lifetime membership? Uh, no, no. You okay. have to You have, you to, have to do it every year, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you have to do it every year. And that sounds kind of dirty, but... <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Con doesn't care. Dragon Con, they're the ones that put 10 pounds of potatoes in a one-pound bag. I mean, they they'll just they'll keep selling them and selling them. It's like, sure, you all can come. Nowhere <laughs> to put you, but you can all come. Yeah, they're very careful, and that's one of the things I appreciate too about PAX is they're very careful about not overselling the venue, even though it is, you know, crowded. Uh, yeah. They they do limit the the number of people who are allowed in, and it's a good thing because you know, with seventy thousand people, that's a lot. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of humanity. There were some times I was like, this is a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah Dragon Con's the same way. It's, it's yeah. a lot of humanity. And I, d- I didn't get the numbers on this year, but I know, I believe it was a couple of years ago, they had their 25th anniversary mm-hmm. and it was the hugest numbers they had ever had there. Mm-hmm. And I could tell, I mean, I could just tell the difference, but I swear there were more there this time. Oh, I was, I was just stunned at the number of people. And pa- another part of it too is a lot. I mean, I just feel like there was a lot more cosplay. Interesting. I, I thought that cosplay was just a huge thing at Dragon Con in general. It is, but the um the diversity and mm-hmm. the range of cosplay this time to me i just felt like was was off the scale mm. um there there was just your smart witty everyday costumes and there were all, there's always the over the top elaborate amazing mm-hmm. costumes but the diversity of subjects and themes i just was i was amazed yeah I was just amazed yeah well that's awesome so it's tell fun. me more. So tell me about Dragon Con's experiences and your... Well, I tell you, one of the, the best things was meeting actual fans of the show. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I you know, I jumped up and down and squealed when, <laughs> during my panel. I said, does anyone listen to Game On Girl? And two people raised their hands. <laughs> and Yay. it... Yeah, I know. It was like before, nobody's ever heard of you. It was like two whole people. Um, um, the panel went really, really well. We had we had a packed room, standing room only. It was great. And lots of people during the con afterwards, I was on three different panels and a guest on a Ladies of Leap podcast. Mm-hmm. And lots of people that stopped me and said, oh, I'd never heard of your podcast before. We really enjoyed it. We've signed up. Nice. And so they've gone out and, check, and checked it out and everything. And just just everybody was really nice. But I got to meet uh, some fans, Diana and Heidi, Jared, David, Jake, and Nicole. Awesome. And if I forgot your name, forgive me. After meeting two people, I figure, oh, I've got two fans. I can remember their names. And then after that, it was, it was uh, like, oh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah. Almost at the exact same time you were presenting mm-hmm. the gamer type panel, I was presenting mine. Mm-hmm. I know. I thought that was so funny that you know we're we're cons across the country from each other, but yeah, we're presenting it almost at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have a unicorn room. You didn't have a. I'm Just sorry. Grand Salon C. It's really boring. <laughs> 
but it was it was really great. It was a really good response, and I just really appreciate everybody that came to the panel and asked the questions. They were just they were so smart. Yeah. The next panel I did, I, and I didn't go to very many panels this year. I didn't go um, to any other than my own, which I feel really bad about. But I had so much other stuff that I was doing. Yeah. I was running around like a maniac. Well, DragonCon's different in that they moved the vendors into the American Mart this year, and the vendor really are just independent retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell everything from t-shirts to steampunk costume accessories and stickers and comic books. So there is not a lot of game promotion. Mm. It's not a game promotion right. kind of place. There it's were the booths opposite of packs. <laughs> yes, it's it's mm-hmm. not a game promotion place. It is a fan con. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. There are a lot of celebrities there. And people talk about, I mean, that like I was saying earlier, that they divide it up into tracks. Mm-hmm. And there is, you can go to the Whedonverse, you can go to the Trekkieverse. Right. And it's where those fans congregate and they just enjoy being fans. Mm-hmm. So I, I only went to a handful of panels, mainly because getting back and forth between everything was just such a nightmare. That's the only thing that's disappointing um, because there is a really great bit of information that you mm-hmm. can get. But after that, the next day, I was on the Gamer Girls Unite panel. That's the mm-hmm. same one I did last year. Right. And um, the exciting thing about that is Jody Black was again this, back again this year. And she it, has uh, taken the job with Pinnacle Entertainment Group as their marketing manager and editor now. Oh, awesome. Yeah. But um, she still runs uh, Beautiful Brains Books and Games. Mm-hmm. And you guys might remember her a while back. We interviewed her. And Michelle Maynard is a programmer, but she's also started her own gaming company. She worked for Zynga and she worked for, oh, I forget who else. Because I think she said something about working on Civ Five. Oh. And I know, I know. Her and I, it's awful. You never get to talk to these panelists very long. I know. <laughs> and um, Melanie Levine was there again. She she hosted, but I got to meet David Gator with Bioware. Mm-hmm. And um, we just had a really good conversation. It's, it's uh, a talk about being a girl in the gaming community and the good and the bad that all come with that. I try to steer it away from being a gripe session. What mm-hmm. I like it to be is, okay, how do we make our community better for women? Right. How do we change the experiences women have gaming online or gaming? Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was really great to have David Gator there to talk from his experience in game development, as well as as Michelle and and Jody, I, I just really was happy to have developers there to give their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. The The topic that came up uh, a little more frequently this time was um, girl-on-girl hate. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. that is something that you and I have touched on. And mm-hmm. to me, it's just it's an extremely difficult topic. To, it's like trying to hold, hold water in your hand <laughs> trying to figure out. Yeah. What, what that it is. is, yeah. But I had several women come up and and ask me, you know, I I had one girl come up quite honestly and say, I don't want to play with this girl. I want her out of my game. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I don't like feeling that way. But when she gets on, I'm just I I want her out. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's very interesting that you notice it, right? Exactly, and that it's become part of her experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, that's, that's important. And I said, if you, if you want to quit those feelings, I said, noticing them is the, 
is the best thing Mm -hmm. right right off the bat. Right. And discussing them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there was a little bit of discussion. I love, I I like polling the audience. I don't, I don't, I don't think that, I think a lot of times them exchanging information and seeing what other people think is a whole lot more important than them listening to me. Just one person saying stuff. I wholeheartedly agree. Question and answer is always my favorite part. Yeah. So I just asked him, I said, okay, how many of you like the direction the Laura Croft game went? And I had a couple of ladies that were just vehement against the new Laura Croft. They just hated it. Mm. It was very, very interesting. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a wonderful conversation. And we kind of conclude, we try to conclude with things that, that you can do a couple of, one thing that came up is if you are a game developer and you decide you're going to put a social aspect into your game, if it's an MMO and you're going to put Uh, social features in your game, you should be responsible Mm -hmm. for those features. And yeah, this sort of goes back to the Xbox thing. Exactly. The Xbox live uh, uh, complaint system and reporting people. Yeah. One of the questions that kept coming up is like, you know, how do I, how do I deal with these people online? How, and it's like, you know, you can't change them. Right. You can't just, no. I said, just be a good gamer. Yeah, and 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 raise awareness where you can. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and that was the other big thing is st- stop just sitting there and being quiet. Exactly, because and come because to rescue. Silence is acceptance. Yes, mm-hmm. and I mean Melanie. Melanie started off by telling a um, a really good story of a few years ago playing a tabletop game there at Dragon Con, where her character was enslaved and sold or, or something. It was, it was a very demeaning kind of situation. It made her very uncomfortable. And she said she just sat there alone and was just subjected to this. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't tell it very well, but she said, you know, it would have been nice to have known that there were this many people in the room who would have object- objected to the way that I was being right. treated. And so just speaking up. But. Yeah, exactly. Just standing up so people don't know they're alone. I mean, it's... yeah. It's that simple. It can be that simple, at least. It's very difficult to to meet up with people. I was trying to meet up with one of the fans who had been tweeting to me before the Dragon Con Nicole, and uh, it's just, uh, I mean, it's been almost literally. A I was trying face. to meet up with like three people, <laughs> and on you know who I know from Twitter who are fans that I wanted to get in on the video, and I just couldn't find anybody. <laughs> yeah, well, I was lucky. I went. One of the panels I did go to was how to the art of the interview. Mm-hmm. And just some great podcasters on there talking about how to do interviews. And I finally ran into the ladies of Leet. Awesome. They were there because they're in the podcasting track. Right. And I finally got to meet Kim and Stephanie. Um, Veronica couldn't be there. Oh, let's see. Was it Veronica? No, it's Nicole uh, is the other lady of Leet. And um, her little boy was having surgery, but he's good. They were the same way. They're like, you know, we haven't left this room. This is all we're doing. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm just glad to be able to say hi. Right. Um, they were just so sweet. But I got to be on their show on Sunday with uh, Veronica Belmont. Oh, fantastic. And that was, yeah, that was just so much fun fun. I mean, for women being able to sit down and talk about gaming and their gaming past and their love of games. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a really fun show because we were just talking about games in general. And in in particular, we were talking about Gone Home Mm. and Kim and Stephanie were, were very divided 
about their opinion of Gone Home. The audience was very divided. And so the, it turned into a conversation about, or a confessional, okay, what game out there is hugely, hugely popular that you just hate? And it, this is a safe room. You can tell us uh-huh. that you hated that big game. And it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Because there were plenty of people in the audience, no matter what, you would say, well, I really, really hated Mass Effect. You're just like, what? Oh, How could you hate that? That's my favorite game. It's the best thing ever. It's the greatest thing in the world. Oh, I took a picture of a Mass Effect cosplayer just for you because it was a female redhead. Oh, nice. And I forgot to send it to you. She was fantastic too, but I forgot to send it to you. I'll have to get it to you. That, that, I mean, that is just such an uh, intense cosplay, man. That costume is is just incredible. Yeah, it's it's heavy duty, like literally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the last panel I did with uh, Jody Black is, I believe is a new topic. It's called Bearing the Torch. And we just had a really great conversation about uh, basically, number one, the divide between us and the people in our world who don't game, mm-hmm. um, our parents, our friends, our coworkers, but also um, ch- about how do we get children and g- women involved in gaming or in technology? Oh, yeah. And J- Jody has a lot of background in that. She does a lot of really great initiatives for um, kids and for for little girls to get into gaming. And it's it's tough. It's hard to find playmates when you're kids. I'll, I'll talk to a lot of parents and um, the kids don't play very many games, especially tabletop games. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll sit down with that DS without right. doing any your action right. or an iPad or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to producing tech news today and other podcasts and wonderful group. These, these people are just so great about sharing information. Um, Brian Brushwood, Veronica Belmont, Tom Merritt, Brian Dunaway, all great podcasters, and they're so encouraging, and they are so helpful. It, it was actually, it was a huge, huge room, and it was only about half full, so it was really great just to kind of have a, a really open conversation with mm-hmm. them. Cool. And then I got to sit through an actual live podcast with Veronica and Tom. They did Sword and Laser with the author uh, Jim Butcher. Oh, neat. Yeah, yeah, that was really great. And it was, you know, it came right on the tail end of the art of the interview. Mm-hmm. So Tom Merritt was in the art of the interview. And then I went over to a live podcast where the guest was late. Mm-hmm. He showed up and the poor guy was frazzled. So Veronica and Tom are having to fill time. They've gone live until the guest shows up. Then the guest shows up and he's just having a really hard time getting into the show and answering questions and just breaking the ice. And then his handler kept texting him because she had lost him trying to get him to the interview. (laughs) And so his phone kept going off and he's like, look, I've got to tell her I'm okay and I'm here. Right. And, it was just great to watch Tom and Veronica handle that situation right after the, the, the panel. They, yeah. And the how to of course do they interview. did it beautifully. All so right. right. Pros. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were great. So it, it, it was a lot of fun. I got to meet a lot of cool people and, uh, Oh, one other guy that I met that I wanted to bring up. Um, he stopped me after the show, after one of the panels, his name was Kevin Rucks and he's a grad student. It's a school in Orlando, Florida that has to do with, Technology. I think I wrote it down here somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interactive Entertainment at the Florida Interactive Entertainment Academy, FIEA. <laughs> um, but his, his graduate project was a game. 
And it's interesting when you mentioned Bee Buddy. Bee Buddy. Mm-hmm. Well, they had one called Pitch Jumper. And what it does, it's a side scroller, extremely colorful. It's got a beautiful little character. I, I love this little character. And you, it, it plays the music off your playlist on mm-hmm. your on your device and you play through the game and it's all musically based and everything. And he just stopped me after the show and he said, if, if you have five minutes, I would love to get your feedback on our game and a very smart game. I think it was very well designed. There was, um, some UI stuff that I would have changed, which I think that's what he was most interested in. He's a UI guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a for a graduation project, yeah, I, I'm I'm just blown away. That's awesome. And you can get a you can see a demo of it, get the video of it. The little character, he's adorable. That's awesome. Yeah, that was actually one of the things I loved about Beat Buddy as well was the the character. Because when when you pause and you're like trying to figure out what to do in the level, the character starts dancing to the music. Yeah. <laughs> It was really adorable. Yep. And the only thing I bought, really, besides a Dragon Con hoodie, which they sold out of last year, was a Lego version of the uh, alien creature. <laughs> That's awesome. It was so adorable. I just couldn't resist. It was like, I- that goes to my desk. It's just, <laughs> it's perfect. I bought I bought two things for myself. I, I almost never buy Wonder Woman stuff for myself. Every, every Wonder Woman piece of paraphernalia that I own, which... Anybody who stayed in my guest room knows is a sizable collection are <laughs> gifts that I have received. The one thing I bought recently before before this weekend for myself was Wonder Woman boots that I have because I wanted to make sure I got the right size. <laughs> Nobody bought tried to buy those for me. But this weekend I bought myself a wallet that is Wonder Woman. Oh. Because not just was it Wonder Woman, but it was sparkly Wonder Woman. So it like had glitter on it. Oh, my God. And it's a wallet, you know, one of those ones that you kind of pop open and then opens into two parts. One that you put your money in and one that has like your credit cards and everything. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Oh, that's nice. It's really nice. It was really nice. And I saw it and I walked past it and I I picked it up and I looked at it and I put it down and I walked around the rest of the con and I'm like, no, I got to go back and get that. So I went back and got that. And then the other thing I bought, I really wanted, they had these huge, um, they're called Squishables stuffed animals at one of the booths. Yeah. And they're huge. Like, I'm holding my arms like people can see what I'm doing. But they're, (laughs) like, if you were to, like, hug somebody, they're, they're that big. Oh, my God. So they're huge. And they had a stuffed Cthulhu that was like big, <gasps> fat, baby Cthulhu stuffed. And I looked at it and I was I was handling it and I'm like, oh man, this is really awesome. I really should get this. I really should get this. And then I decided, no, wait. I know it's going to probably be expensive. So I walked away and I went back to get it. And of course they were out. Oh, the Cthulhus. But they had a little tiny one that hangs from a hook that you can like put on a backpack. That was the same, like, little round, fat Cthulhu. There's some pictures up because the day after, on Monday when I got back from PAX and I was at home, I was playing a game. And so I posted some pictures with it as Cthulhu sort of watching over my game for me. So, fat baby Cthulhu. Huh? On Twitter. Yep, they're on Twitter. Man, I I tell you what, at Dragon Con, I couldn't, you just can't can't survive without Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, it's that, but... At the same time with, you know, 70,000 gamers at the convention center <laughs> at downtown Seattle, I had a couple of really confused text conversations <laughs> <laughs> because texts were not arriving in any kind of timely fashion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, 
I don't know. Things work pretty good for me, at least, at Dragon Con. I don't know. Some of my other friends had some trouble, though. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, it's like 55,000, 60,000 people. And it's just, it's the yeah. way it's going to be. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But, well, Dragon Con and PAX, we love you. Had a great time. We had a great time meeting these wonderful people, the fans and the, the professionals alike and the cosplayers. Uh, it's great to be with your peeps and to and to geek out and understand each other. If you were at PAX or at Dragon Con this weekend, if there's something that you particularly saw or enjoyed or someone that you met that was just unforgettable, um, please let us know. Leave a comment in the post and post your pictures, post a link to the pictures. They're just all over the place. Yeah. Um, they're pretty awesome. And, and it was great meeting you guys. <laughs> You've been listening to Game On Girl. You can find all our social media connections on our website, GameOnGirl.com. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at RoRoom. That's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M. Or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs. Huge thanks to both the attendees of PAX Prime and Dragon Con for attending our panels and talking to us and making the con experience everything that it should be. A fantastic celebration of whatever fan culture you happen to find yourself part of. So thanks for participating and thanks for your feedback. And we love you guys. Game On Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening, and until next time, game on!